Hey there, future fans. This week, we forget how to stay dead. We forget what just happened, but we do learn to shut our mouth. This is the week of June 14th, 2019, and you are listening to episode 137 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show yes this is episode 137 titled at least tentatively this is the only title idea i've had so you know what if i do change the name if if the name you see on whatever app you use is different from what i'm about to say compare the two and tell me do you think i made the right choice by changing it so right now and who knows maybe it still is the title is zombies get the shaft And I tried to work all three of the big movies into the title, and I couldn't think of a way to do that that couldn't be also looked at as very racist. So I thought I would just stick with Zombies and Shaft, because why not? Well, ladies and gentlemen, my future fans, I I hope you're staying cool, because right now in California, in my area of California, it is hot. And right now it is 11 p.m. and it is cooling down if you look at the temperature, but no one has told the muggy ass weather this. And all of you from Louisiana are like, oh yeah, tell us what that's like. We know nothing of this mugginess. I can never get used to taking a shower and never actually being able to dry off because as you're drying, you're just sweating again. No, thank you. Anne and I live off the beaten path and um, it's kind of close to the freeway, but it's also kind of secluded. So that's nice, but you know, it has its drawbacks. It takes a while for the cops to get here and I'm assuming the ambulance too. We've never had to call it, but I bet it would take a while. But the bonus is I can walk around my house butt ass naked and just walk right by a window and go, hello, do you like the angle? of the dangle and there's no one to say anything the only person who could possibly say something is my neighbor across the across the valley literally across the valley and if he says something i'm like dude what the are you doing looking at my window creepy much all right but enough of that you may be wondering especially if you're new who is this guy what in the good god is he talking about and i thought this was supposed to be about movies well it is this show is about movies you have found the correct show. This is the first and last podcast you need about movies. Okay, that's a lie. There are a lot of great movie podcasts out there, but this is the only show, to my knowledge, and even if it's not, this is the only or best show to bring you all of the movies that come out during the week. That is right. This is Future Flicks with Billiam, and we do quite a few things here. We always start out with a little intro, which is me kind of just rambling to myself. And thankfully, no one's told me to shut up yet. After that, we get into the housekeeping, which this is part of it. And then we get into the first segment, which is always the news. After that is the trailer trove. In these two segments, I talk about all the new movie news and all the new movie trailers, respectively, that have caught my eye since the last episode. That doesn't mean I catch them all. I do have a day job. I do do other things, so I miss some. And if I ever miss something that you think I should talk about, always let me know. After those two segments, we go 
go into the movies, which are broken up into two categories, the first of which is the limited release movies. Those are movies that are getting a, as you can assume, limited release, but also didn't really catch my eye. They did nothing to impress me. That doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. I'm just not going to gamble on a movie that couldn't put together a good trailer because I base all of my judgments on the trailers because I get no insider knowledge here. And you know what? If I ever become famous enough to get insider knowledge, I, I still think I would base it entirely on the trailers because I've said it before. I'll say it a million more times. Trailers are how the movie, uh, the movie companies sell the movies to us. A movie fan shouldn't have to look up other stuff about a movie to be interested the trailer should do it for you. So in the first segment, the limited release segment, I talk about the movie, I tell you its name, I tell you what it's about, then I tell you who's in it. Maybe, just maybe I'll give a thought or two on it, but then we move on. After that, we have the wide releases and interesting indies, which is just what it sounds like. All of the wide releases, no matter how good or bad they look, and any indie movies that caught my eye. In this segment, I tell you the movie's name, I tell you what it's about, I tell you who's in it, and then I give my thoughts on it, and then I wrap that all up with a score called the Billiams Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score. That score can go anywhere from a zero for those terrible movies to an 11 to those movies that turn it up that extra notch. We then go into the question of the week, and then we send you along your way to the other great shows in the somewhat nerdy podcast network. So how can you find this show? You have done a great job so far. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, because that's what they're calling iTunes now, right? Because iTunes is no longer a thing. It's now officially Apple Podcasts. I'm just super behind the times, right? So you can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website and Facebook page. And if you need to contact me, reach me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com or Instagram and Twitter at BilliamSWN. So without further ado, let us step into the first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Uh, before I get into this first story, I want to offer a trigger warning. And you all know I don't do that. I don't do trigger warnings. I think they're overused. I think we tend to put too much responsibility for other people onto us. Like if people have something that makes them really upset, it's not our job to make sure people will be okay. But I'm going to make an exception for this first story, because this first story is about a movie with multiple rape scenes in it, and I say that word quite a few times. So if you are at all super sensitive to that, I'd say just to be safe, jump forward to the 10-minute place. Now here we go. According to writer-director Jennifer Kent, moviegoers have every right to walk out of Nightingale over the rape scenes. Jennifer Kent also wrote and directed The Babadook, so we know we can't trust her. And apparently this movie premiered in on a, at an Australian film festival recently, and numerous people walked out of The Nightingale because of the film's multiple brutal rape scenes in its first 30 minutes. One audience member was quoted as saying, She's already been raped, we don't need to see it again. End quote. And that really implies that we needed to see it the first time. You all know how I feel about rape and sex and, and nudity in movies. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a movie where it was needed. So the good news about this is, is that we have Jennifer Kent's permission to walk out of the film. Good, because we needed that. If we were going to try and walk out, we were like, oh, wait, she didn't tell us we could. So we have to stay here and watch. Jennifer Kent, 
eat a bag of dicks. That one audience member who was quoted has a really good point. I, I don't know what is wrong with your mind. I don't know. Looking at this picture view on your IMDb page, you look dead in the soul, so that could be it. The Nightingale is a revenge thriller about a, let's see, an Irish convict living under the thumb of a British officer. He rapes her repeatedly and even forces her husband and child to watch. The meat of the movie is her hunting him through the forest, trying to kill him. Jennifer Kent was quoted as saying that people have every right to be upset and that directing these scenes were not, was not enjoyable or easy. She said the Nightingale was heartbreaking and she revealed that she cried throughout the entire filmmaking process. What the f*** is wrong with you, you piece of shit? Like seriously, what the f*** is wrong with you, you mental case? We already knew from the Babadook that you're a little f*** in the head, but this goes above and beyond. This movie, The Nightingale, is not to be confused with the movie The Nightingale, still in very early pre-production, based on a novel by author Kristen Hanna. So eventually when I talk about that movie, and I may or may not want to see it, don't get the two confused. This movie comes out August 2nd. And you know where I'm going to be when that comes out? Any f***ing place but any theater showing it. I mean, whether or not any of you agree with my full stance on nudity, sex, and rape in movies, even if you don't see eye-to-eye -eye with me on every aspect of that, I hope you can at least see why I'm so angry about this. I mean, if there's just one scene, I still would not have been stoked. I still wouldn't want to have seen it, but at least then I could try and wrap my mind around the fact that they're trying to make us hate this person. Like, here's our main character. We're supposed to like her. Here's this guy raping her. Oh, I guess we hate him now. I do think there are other ways you can do it. I think you can imply the rape. So I can see why you would do it once, but more than once and graphically, it turns from something that would make us feel for the main character and hate the antagonist, and it turns it into just some sick torture porn. So yeah, f this movie. This next story comes to us. Oh, I should tell you what that where that last story came from, right? That last story came to us from IndieWire. And this next story comes to us from IndieWire. Yay, we have an IndieWire theme going on. Anyway, this is about John Turturro and a movie he's directing. It's called Going Places, and it should have been released one to two years ago. But writer, director, and star John Turturro had to tweak the movie a lot until he was happy with it. In the movie Going Places, he reprises his role of Jesus Quintana from The Big Lebowski. He says editing has taken a while, but that he is finally happy with it, so we should be seeing a release date coming out soon. There isn't one as of yet, but he says the film is about basically how stupid men are and how women are the stronger, more together characters. He says this is a racy comedy, but a very human comedy. Before moving on with his project, he got the blessing of the Coen brothers, and they liked the idea of him exploring his character from The Big Lebowski, but they said, you gotta do it, cause we're not going to do it. And he says if he has something to show them when they're around, he shows them. So I'm excited to see this. I like John Turturro a lot. Of course, you know him from movies like Barton Fink, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Quiz Show. And I always forget he was in three episodes of Monk. He played Monk's brother. Either way, I like John Turturro. I'm looking forward to this. I just hope it's not preachy. Like, men are terrible. Men are ruining the world. Women are better. Like, okay, that's cool. Um, are you going to show me a movie too? Because as many of you know, I don't mind a movie that has a message with it as long as it focuses on being a movie. And when I find out more about that movie, I will let you know. Uh, this next story has a spoiler for Dark Phoenix in it. So if you don't want to hear it, jump forward a minute. 
I will keep this talk under a minute, even if I have to talk really fast. So jump forward a minute starting now. This story comes to us from Digital Spy. X-Men Dark Phoenix director says that a major character isn't actually dead. That character? Jean Grey. Because apparently, she sacrifices herself during the movie, but then at the end of the film, you see like the shadow or the symbol of a phoenix flying around, and that's supposed to show that she's not dead. I don't see what f good that does because they're never going to make another one of these. When Marvel finally does an X-Men movie, they're going to start over so we can get the bad f***ing taste out of these films out of our mouth. I'm sorry, I have other Dark Phoenix news, so I'm going to I'm going to save it until after anyone who doesn't want to get the spoiler uh, skips forward. So we have about 10 more seconds. Oh, yeah. And Jennifer Lawrence does die. Woo. Maybe I should watch that scene. I think I should. I would be so happy. OK, we're ca we're count we're counting down now. We're almost there. OK, five, four, three, two, one. If you skipped forward, we are done with that story, so no fear. We we, we do have other X-Men Dark Phoenix news, but it's all spoiler-free. And this next story is more Dark Phoenix news. Yay! This comes to us from Fox News. It has been projected with how poorly the movie has been doing that Dark Phoenix is set to lose $100 million at the box office. This story that I didn't read the full thing of, I know I usually judge people who just read a headline, but in this case, a headline told me all I needed to know, and I don't care why, because I know why. I know why this movie is going to lose $100 million. It's because it looked like shit. It looked terrible. Even if all three of the leading ladies could act, except just one of them, we're talking Jessica Chastain here, even if Fox didn't have a history of shitting the bed, this movie still looked like shit and there's no way it was going to be good. That is why it's going to lose a whole bunch of money. But enough about that. Let's move on to the next story that comes to us from Flickering Myth. Bryce Dallas Howard seemingly confirms Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum for Jurassic World 3. So this hasn't been officially confirmed. If you read the article from, from Flickering Myth, it just shows you an interview with her where she... It kind of stumbles around the question, but seems very happy about it. So that could mean a lot of things. That could mean none of them are in it. And she's like, oh, good. We're not going to try to shoehorn in old characters to this new story. It could mean they're all in it. And she's like, F yeah, I get to work with Sam Neill, Lara Dern and Jeff Goldblum. Or maybe just one of them was in the movie and they're and she was very excited to work with them. Either way, when it is officially confirmed, I will let you know. But hey. This overall mediocre but ultimately fun series could get a lot more interesting in part three. This next story comes to us from Metro.co.uk. Daniel Craig and Rami Malek are struggling to film together after Bond 25 setbacks. Thankfully, this struggling has nothing to do with them not liking each other. It's just all other projects and timing issues that are keeping them apart. Since you all know how movies are made, you know, they don't just start with the first scene and with the last scene. They probably just filmed all of Daniel Craig and Rami Malek's scenes together, and then they could all film their various scenes apart where they're not actually in the same room. Reportedly, there were a series of setbacks to filming and shooting had been pushed back, which then interfered with these two very busy actors' schedules. You guys know me. You know Skyfall is my favorite Bond movie. You know I really like Daniel Craig as Bond. You also know that I, I am fearful for this movie because there's so many setbacks. There's so much sh going wrong that it, it can't be good, can it? 
Re really? Is this movie going to be good with as much sh as these people have had to do? A director quitting. The main actor not wanting to be in it. Scheduling setbacks. Timing setbacks. Explosions. We'll see, but I'm, I'm just not holding my breath. This next story, folks, comes to us from Flickering Myth. Oh, another one. Oh, the next two are from Flickering Myth. Any more? Any more? That looks like it so far. Well, Mattel, you know, super popular toy company Mattel, is pairing with Bloomhouse for a magic eight ball horror movie. You heard that right. Magic eight ball horror movie. Someone at Mattel probably watched Ouija and their dick got so hard. They're just like, yeah. Oh, we got to get a magic eight ball movie out. Oh, God. And they took their magic eight ball out and they shook it and go, should we do this? And then it said uncertain, asking again later, which is why it's been so long since Ouija and we haven't seen this. And recently, probably they shook it and said, yes. So like, F yeah, let's go to Bloomhouse. Uh, the only way I'd be OK with this, the only way I'd really want to see it is if they went a happy death day route to it, where it's a self-aware horror movie where it knows how ridiculous it is, but it's not a full on comedy. So it's a self-aware and it borders serious, not serious. It, it, it sits on the border very well. I would, I hope that's what it would be like, but let's be honest. I'm not going to hold my breath. This next story, like I said, also from Flickering Myth, we have news about Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam movie. As you know, the Black Adam movie was announced a long time ago, as in three years ago, and we haven't heard anything about it since. Well, The Rock's Jungle Cruise movie has finished production, and he now has time for this movie. Not only that, but the director of Jungle Cruise is moving with him to do this, because the director of Jungle Cruise, let me see if I can say his name, Jamay Collet Sarah. I'm sorry, sir. I am, I'm assuming you're a dude. Uh, did I just assume your gender? Yeah, I did. But this director turned down Suicide Squad 2 to direct Black Adam. And I think that's good news because James Gunn took up Suicide Squad 2. Oh, this is funny. So so John Cena has been added to the cast of Suicide Squad 2. Suicide Squad 2, the movie that the director of Jungle Cruise turned down for Black Adam. Black Adam has The Rock in it. John Cena has recently replaced The Rock in the next Fast and the Furious movie. Because we all know that Vin Diesel and The Rock can't work together. And to be honest, that's a feud that I really see both sides of. I can't really pick a side because I like them both. But I'm still like, yeah, okay, I see both of your sides on this. And I'm going to Switzerland this shit. I'm going to be right in the middle. This next story comes to us from fan-sided. The Warrens are back. And no, I'm not talking about the next Annabelle movie. I'm talking about Conjuring 3 that has officially started production. So technically, this, this article is misnamed as the Warrens have already or will be back when Annabelle Comes Home comes out. Either way, if you're a fan of the Conjuring verse, we're getting a Conjuring 3. And I cannot wait. The Conjuring 3 has a tentative release date of September 11th, 2020. So far, the plot is unknown. The only knowns are that Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson are signed on. That will be produced by James Wan and directed by Michael Chavez, who directed The Curse of La Llorona, which I still really want to see. This next story comes to us from Metro.co.uk, and you've probably already heard this if you're any sort of nerd. You have heard that it has been confirmed that all three surviving Ghostbusters will be returning for Ghostbusters 3. Sigourney Weaver confirmed this in an interview, and I'm excited. I'm excited for so many reasons. A, the crew is back together, of course, sans the late Harold Ramis, but I bet you there's going to be some sort of nod to him that will probably make me cry. I bet you it'll make all of the somewhat nerdy crew cry. 
and the Watch Your Mouth guys. We're all going to be crying. And if you say no, you are a f***ing liar. So I'm excited for that. I'm just excited for more Ghostbusters. And I'm just excited for the possibility of just more. I still love Ivan Reitman's idea that the world was going to have different sets of Ghostbusters. Each country would have their own Ghostbusters, and those Ghostbusters would fight the the ghosts from the myth of those countries. I think that shit is awesome. I I like the idea of him keeping the last Ghostbusters movie in canon and bringing the women over, because I think they were good. I think the problems with that movie had nothing to do with them. I liked them. And I think this has promise, especially for a big series, that you can do all these separate movies and it won't feel tired because they will all be just a little different and then come together for some huge battle against like Ultra Gozer or some shit. I don't know, but yay for more Ghostbusters. In news from, oh, another flickering myth one. Wow, I must love this website. Elizabeth Hurley has joined the cast of Marvel's Runaways as Morgan Le Fay. I know that's more of a TV thing since it is a, well, TV series, but I just thought it was cool that we're going to see Elizabeth Hurley again. I'm just sad that Doom Patrol and Runaways are from two different companies, you know, DC and Marvel, because we would have Elizabeth Hurley in Runaways and we have Brendan Fraser in Doom Patrol, then we could have a bedazzled reunion and that would be pretty cool. Next up, another, geez, another Metro.co.uk story. David Bowie's son, Duncan Jones, has approved a biopic that will be penned by Neil Gaiman. So there's all kinds of awesome with this already. Just, just from that title. What we know, David Bowie biopic, yes, an approved one. Okay, that's, that makes it cooler. And by Neil Gaiman, I'm already down. I'm already in line to see this movie. You just don't know it. And in news that's not nearly as cool, from Decider, Kevin Hart is remaking Bill Murray's Scrooged at Paramount. And I like Kevin Hart. I do. I think he's funny. I like his movies. I do not like this idea. Not at all. If you're gonna make a Christmas movie, make your own f***ing Christmas movie. Remaking a movie is one thing, okay? But remaking a Christmas movie, especially a well-loved Christmas movie among nerds, that is a really good way to get a big old f*** you. And here's some good news. Not only are we seeing more Brendan Fraser, I didn't know that that as of January this year, he was free of that f***ing criminal alimony. So if you didn't know that he had to pay a ton of alimony to his ex-wife and child support, and while generally that's not really, you know, a bad thing, in this case he had to pay $50,000 a month plus $25,000 a month in childcare, coming out to $900,000 a year for an actor who wasn't making a lot of money anymore, and apparently is bleeding him dry. He tried to fight it and reduce it, and then she came for his throat. So there are two things at play here, two possible things. Either, A, he is some sort of horrible person who deserves this, and we just never heard anything about it, or B, she is a vampiric super bitch who should get booed every time she walks into a room for the rest of her f***ing disgusting life. I get it. I get they have three, they have three kids and kids are expensive. But any of you with kids out there, tell me, does $25,000 a month sound, um, sound like enough to raise three kids? Two more stories, folks. This next story comes to us from NME. That's November Mike Echo and M-E. Robert Pattinson's Batman will not be an origin movie. Thank f***ing God, because we've seen the origin movie. I don't want to see Bruce Wayne's parents die again. I don't want to see Uncle Ben die again. We know what happens. We know they die. Also, Jonathan Kent. I don't want to see Jonathan Kent die again. This film is reportedly going to show us a Batman that's between 
early Batman and Ben Affleck's more grizzled, experienced Batman. So a Batman that may still be finding his footing, but is not a complete noob. And finally in the news, this has been a long news section, finally in the news, Bill and Ted Face the Music has cast Bridget Lundry Payne and Samara Weaving as their daughters. Or as Bill and Ted's daughters, that is. Bridget Lundy Payne, who you would know if you've seen the show Atypical on Netflix, will be playing Ted's daughter, which means Samara Weaving, who is known for movies like The Babysitter and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, will be playing, of course, Bill's daughter. The only confirmed cast so far are Bill, Ted, their daughters, and William Sadler as Death. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. Let us step into everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, future fans, we are back with the trailers. And if, if things sound a little weird, if you hear more noises in the background, no, it does not mean I am hosting a secret party that none of you were invited to. It means that I'm actually recording during the day. Something I generally try to avoid because even though I've said I live in a secluded area, middle of the woods, there's still a lot of cars and trucks that drive by making God's own noise. And for the past week, one of my neighbors has been running some sort of power tool or or like lawnmower weed weed trimmer or something like that all day i am blessed because he stopped for now but if you hear something pop up that is why well let us start with the first trailer that caught my eye and that is for ford versus ferrari if you haven't seen it before this is a biographical drama starring matt damon christian bale john bernthal and that's really it for the big people. And this is the story about Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles and their shared goal of challenging and beating Ferrari at the 24-hour Le Mans 1966. So I think I spoke about this before and I may have misspoken because if you look at the if you if you look at the poster it looks like Matt Damon and Christian Bale play Ford and Ferrari. Though I think I knew that Matt Damon played Carol Shelby already. It's just an oddly designed poster in that sense. But now we know that Christian Bale plays Kevin Miles, the famous driver. Matt Damon, Carol Shelby, the one who brought us the Shelby Mustang. And the trailer makes this movie look pretty good. But just pretty good. I'm not super stoked for this. The only reason I know I'm going to see it is because Matt Damon's in it. And if it didn't have Matt Damon in it, I don't think I would be interested in this. It doesn't look bad at all. It just doesn't look that good. Because I'm not a car guy. I do enjoy cars. I like driving cars. There are certain cars I would love to get my hands on. But that's where my knowledge and interest in cars really stops. I am not into the history of them. I, if you lift up the hood, I would just go, yeah, that's an engine and kind of walk away. If I was forced to, I could change my own oil. I remember how to do that much. Place a filter, all that good stuff, but that's really it. So if you're a gearhead, this might be for you. Even if you're not a fan of Ford, this is part of racing history, part of car history. Even if you're one of those people that hate Fords and go, oh, fix or repair daily is what it stands for. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Just FYI, you're not funny. Either way, with the addition of Matt Damon, I think this looks interesting, but maybe the rest of you may find it interesting with or without him. Ford vs. Ferrari comes out November 15th. 
Next up, we have a drama with a hint of thriller thrown in, starring Michelle Williams, Julianne Moore, and Billy Crudup called After the Wedding. And this trailer does a really, really good job because it shows us just enough to whet our appetites, but not enough to tell us really what's going on. So all we know is that Michelle Williams' character, Isabel, runs an orphanage in Africa. And one day, there's this wealthy woman who is going to donate $20 million to the orphanage, which, you know, is kind of a big deal, especially if you believe all of those all of those charity ads you see on TV where it says $1 will feed four people and all this stuff. Because I know how $1 can feed so many people in America. Um, I know people who work with food banks. I know how that works. Uh, but I'm not sure how that would work in Africa, if it would be the same thing. Either way, $20 million is a big deal for a single organization. The catch is that Michelle Williams' character has to go meet with this woman first in New York. So she flies over there, meets Julianne Moore, and she says, Hey, um, you came at a bad time. I'm sorry. My daughter's getting married. Why don't you come to the wedding? We'll meet then. She shows up to the wedding, finds out that she has a history with Julianne Moore's character's husband. And it doesn't seem like it's a good history. So now questions start coming up. What is the history? Did Julianne Moore know about this before? Like, did she offer this money on purpose just to get Michelle Williams over here? Or was it a surprise for her too? What's she going to do now? Is Isabel even going to get the money for the orphanage? Or is this all some sort of up ploy by Julianne Moore? We don't know. And I look forward to finding out. I think this looks interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing this movie with these two really good lead actresses. And I'm also a fan of Billy Crudup. And we will see this when it comes out August 9th. Next up in the trove, everyone, we have a film called Britney Runs a Marathon. And this stars Jillian Bell, who you would know if you saw Office Christmas Party, 22 Jump Street, Rough Night. And this is about a, a woman who doesn't really have control of her life and sees everyone passing her by and decides that, you know what, she wants to run the New York Marathon. But, you know, that's nothing you can just decide. So she does put the work into it. Starts training, starts getting into shape, and as she does that, her attitude changes too, and she notices that she is being treated differently, and she, and she likes the way things are going. So this is a dramedy with Jillian Bell in it. It is going to be impossible to keep the comedy out, but I think what we have here is a very human, very realistic dramedy too. And I like the fact that it focuses on the reason she's being treated differently isn't just because she's getting in shape. Because let's all be honest, as a whole, pretty people get treated better. I mean, it's not as dramatic as a lot of people like to think. I mean, I still get treated really well, and I think that's how I hold myself and present myself. But it also focuses on the fact that it's her attitude changing, which affects how people are, are responding to her. So it's like a mix of, yes, she's looking better, but also acting better. So if you want to watch this slow Cinderella story as she has to work, I think over a, like about a year for it, actually, because she sees the New York City Marathon and then she decides she wants to be in it. So I'm assuming she trains for a full year. It just looks cute. It looks like something you can skip in theaters and watch at home. So maybe just keep an eye out for it one day. But if you really want to see this in theaters, keep an eye out for it August 23rd. Next up in the trove, we have a movie called Loose. And this looks really interesting. This is about a young man named Loose who was adopted by his parents from a war-torn country and was brought up to be the model student. He's well-loved. His grades are amazing. He's on the track team. He is the poster boy for the model student. But then one day, one of his teachers sees something he has written and she finds it disturbing. She goes to the parents and that's when everything starts to slowly unravel. The teacher claims that Loose 
Luce is not what he seems to be, that he's not right. Luce claims that she has a vendetta against him. The parents don't know what to do. They want to believe their kid. But what do you do when you have a teacher, an authority figure coming to you with this information? And then some students are on the teacher side. Some students look at what's going on and see the vendetta the teacher has against the kid. The teacher's house gets vandalized and Luce is blamed for it. And this looks like a very interesting movie. And just like I was talking about with the previous thriller, this one has so many possibilities. The obvious ones are Luce is the good guy, the teacher's out to get him. Other is Luce is the bad guy, the teacher is right. But then there's so many other possibilities too that can be a combination of both. None of them are right. Maybe something else is going on. And this looks really good. This has a really good cast. It has Naomi Watts, Octavia Spencer, Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Tim Roth. And I'm really happy that they're not going where they could have gone with this, that these parents who adopted him, being white, somehow fundamentally don't know this kid just because of the color of his skin, just because he was born in a war-torn country. And I like that. I like that because... Remember, race has very little to do with ultimately how you turn out. It, it is about your upbringing. So I'm glad it that it looks like the angle they're going with this is that if something is wrong with Luce, it's in his head. And I also like the fact that the teacher that's coming after him is Octavia Spencer. She's black. Just in case you didn't know. So it looks like it's going to focus on the psychological thriller aspect of this and not so much as a race issue. And good for them. Loose comes out August 2nd this year. Uh, this next trailer came out a little while ago and I never covered it, so I wanted to talk about it. And it's a trailer for scary stories to tell in the dark, and I'm excited. It kind of looks like they're going the Goosebumps route with it, but not funny. This is going to be a, a serious, mildly serious horror, in the sense that it still looks like it's going to be kid-friendly-ish, I think. Well, what is the rating on this one? All right, looks like it's not rated yet, but it looks like it could be an R, though Guillermo del Toro wants it to be PG-13. I just know that I'm down to watch this movie and maybe keep my eyes closed during that one where that girl has bugs crawling out of her face, but because f that noise. We can all look forward to this coming out on August 9th because why the f would you release it in October? That would just be weird, right? A movie all about scary stories being released around Halloween? That's f***ing stupid. I swear, some of these people in the release, the companies that release these movies need a boot right up the ass. They... They have been shitting the bed, especially when it comes to holiday-themed movies. And I know this one's not officially Halloween. There's no trick-or-treating, pumpkins, all that jazz. But come on, really? And do you remember that for the past two years, we've had Christmas movies released in November? And while I understand if it stays around in theater long enough, then that's one thing. But come on, at least first week of December, release it. Jesus, people. Well, that is it for the trailers. Once again, if I missed any news, if I missed any trailers you think I should talk about, let me know and I will bring it up on the next episode. But right now, let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast and the Nerds of the Squared Circle. Please stay tuned. Are you troubled by a lack of common interest in your social sphere? Do you experience feelings of nostalgic sentiment in your day-to-day -day life? Do your family or coworkers not understand your quotes, quips, or references? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and download the nerdiest professionals in the galaxy. Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Our nerdy and informative hosts are available 24 hours a day on your favorite podcast app to fill all your super nerdy needs. Good, Good journey, journey, nerds. nerds. 
Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Future Flicks with Billiam, and Nerds of the Squared Circle on iTunes, SoundCloud, your favorite podcast app, or stream us at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of somewhatnerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me... Starf Chris and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. And we're back. We are back with the limited release movies, and there are quite a few this week, so let's just get into it. Let's start with one called Our Time. A family lives in the Mexican countryside raising fighting bulls. Esther is in charge of running the ranch while her husband, Juan, a world-renowned poet, selects and raises the beasts. Things are great until Esther becomes infatuated with a horse trainer named Phil. This is a film from Mexico. Next up, we have a movie called In the Isles. Christian begins to work as a shelf stacker at a supermarket and finds himself in a new unknown world. But will this new world be where he finds his true love? This is a German film. Next up, we have a film called Being Frank. Phil rebels against his father and goes on spring break. While there, he runs into his father, who he learns actually does not go on long business trips, but instead has a second family. He uses this information to blackmail his father and get everything he's ever wanted, apparently except for a stable family. This stars Logan Miller from Love, Simon, Jim Gaffigan from Super Troopers, Samantha Mathis from Super Mario Brothers, Anna Gunn from Breaking Bad, and Danielle Campbell from The Originals. And 100% no. Um, Jim Gaffigan just plays a scumbag in this, and the kid's an idiot too for not telling his mom, and I don't want to watch a comedy about that. No, thank you. Next up, we have Say My Name. Mary and Staten are hooking up, but are interrupted by a robbery. The two team up to search for the criminals, because that's what you should do in a situation like that, and they take a trip across a sleepy Welsh island to get their shit back. This stars Nick Blood from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I first thought, cool, there's a film that takes place in Wales. What's it about? Oh, okay. Next. Speaking of next, next up we have a film called Head Count. A group of teenagers unknowingly summon a paranormal presence during their trip to Joshua Tree. The monster mimics their appearances to hide among them and has a love for the number five. This stars No One of Note and... At least one of these kids deserves it because they find the summoning circle looking thing and he just walks up and touches it. You know what happens when you touch a summoning circle and you don't know what it does? You deserve to die. That's what happens. Might actually be fun to watch this group of pricks die. Like, oh my god, guys, let's go to Joshua Tree. It's so beautiful. We can get the Starbucks pink drink on the way. Next up, we have Fantastica, a Boonie Bears adventure. Boonie Bears and Bald Chung work together with a secret primitive girl to smash a conspiracy to destroy Old Growth Forest. This is a Chinese animated film featuring the voice of Mario Lopez. Next up, we have a film called Back to the Fatherland. This is a documentary about a group of young liberal adults in Israel who are tired of not being listened to by the government and want to move to Germany, the country that their family had fled from back during World War II. 
I, I would have been interested in this just based on the topic, but after watching the trailer, it, it seems haphazard and like it like it doesn't have a clear a clear path. Like it just seems like there's no vision for it, and it just came across as sloppy. So no, thank you. Next up, we have a film called The Outsider. Jing Fang, a railroad worker, is out for revenge after his wife is raped and murdered. Marshall Walker is trying to keep order in his town, but it's a little hard when Jing Fang comes into town seeking revenge. This stars John Fu from Rush Hour, the TV show, country singer Trace Adkins from The Lincoln Lawyer, Sean Patrick Flannery from The Boondock Saints, and Danny Trejo from Machete. Next up, we have Daughter of the Wolf. A military veteran hunts the men who kidnapped her son. This stars Gina Carano from Deadpool and Richard Dreyfuss from Jaws. And we all know the line, we're going to need a bigger boat. I know it's Brody, not Hooper, that said that, but stay with me. The one thing they're not going to need for this movie is a bigger theater, because no one's going to watch it. See, I wasn't reaching too far with that joke, right? And the final movie in the limited release section is a film called The Reports on Sarah and Salim. This is about the affair of a married Palestinian man and a married Israeli woman in Jerusalem, and how it takes a dangerous turn when they were spotted in the wrong place at the wrong time, making their broken marriages the least of their worries. Well, my future fans, that is it for the limited releases. Let's actually take the break when I used to do it back in the day, uh, right now, and then we'll get into the wide releases and interesting indies. So please stay tuned for a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that goddamn jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with a movie called Murder Mystery. A New York cop and his wife go on a European vacation to reinvigorate the spark in their marriage. But they end up getting framed for a murder and on the run after the death of an elderly billionaire. This stars Jennifer Aniston from Leprechaun, Adam Sandler from The Waterboy, Luke Evans from Fast and Furious 6, Gemma Arterton from Prince of Persia, Terrence Stamp from Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and Shioli Katsuna from Deadpool 2. I'm going to be honest, I don't think this movie looks that great. I don't like the pairing of Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. I'm not a big Jennifer Aniston fan. I'm not the biggest Adam Sandler fan. I mean, I loved him in high school when that was funny. And he's really done some amazing work that's not comedic. But I'm still not any of their biggest fans. So the only reason for me personally to put this in the wide releases and interesting indies is that this is a Netflix original movie. So you all will be able to see this on Friday for 
free because you already pay for Netflix. And the fact that I'm adding so many Netflix movies on the wide release and interesting indie section should tell you that if I ever don't, if one ever makes it into the limited section, then maybe really avoid it because I couldn't even force myself to put it in this section, even keeping the Netflix part in mind. This looks like a, a basic crime spoof. And I'm still glad to see that as Adam Sandler moves on in his career, he's really left that screaming moron character behind. And he's left that stupid voice he used to do behind, you know, like his entire character in The Water Boy. Like I said, funny back then when I was a child and had no taste. And the only reason I can watch those old movies now is because of the nostalgia, because they don't hold up. This, however, looks like it will lack any of that very polarizing style of Adam Sandler comedy, so that should be good at least for rewatchability. Should you watch this? I don't know. There are a lot of good films on Netflix now. There's a lot of good movies on Hulu. There's not a lot of good movies on Amazon Prime. There's just a lot to watch, but if you have seen it all, or if for some reason you really want to watch this, I say go ahead. It doesn't look great, but it also doesn't look bad. Murder Mystery gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a documentary called 5B. This is a documentary about Wing 5B in the San Francisco General Hospital, which was the first in the country designed to treat AIDS patients. The emphasis was on humanity and consideration of the well-being of the patient and created a new standard for patient care. So this looks really interesting. I had no idea about this because if you remember, like back then, no one knew what AIDS was. They still thought it came from monkeys. There were people who thought it was only a disease for gay men. They didn't even know how it how it was contracted, how it moved around. Now we're very lucky we know a lot more. And it's no longer a guaranteed death sentence. But back then it was. So this wing of the hospital came around where they're like, hey, we're just going to treat them like people, do what we can to ease their pain, and that's it. That's all they could do. But it was more than most people were doing. And I think this looks like a very interesting but equally depressing documentary that I may want to see, but it will have to go on my maybe one day pile. 5B gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called Plus One. In order to survive a summer of wedding fever, longtime single friends Ben and Alice agree to be each other's plus ones at every wedding they've been invited to. This stars Maya Erskine, I think, from Pen15, Jack Quaid from Logan Lucky, and Ed Bagley Jr. from Pineapple Express. Now, I think it was last episode, maybe, I talked about it, or maybe I thought about talking about it, but didn't. Uh, I saw this trailer, I thought it looked interesting. Just another cute rom-com. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I talked about this already, didn't I? Well, I'll keep it short and sweet either way. This movie, from what I see, has two possible endings. The first is that Ben and Alice fall in love, realizing, realizing they are the ones for each other. And it took going to all these weddings together, spending all this time together, and having everyone tell them that they're great together, and them going, no, we're not, no, this is, he's just my friend, she's just my friend, to figure it out. The second is that they both meet someone else, but still stay friends. Either way, this seems like a really cute movie, something to keep in your back pocket for a date night, something to keep in the 
back burner of your mind just for one day you feel like a film that's not too heavy or doesn't seem heavy at all really but also seems entertaining maybe i'm just paying attention a little more i i don't know what it is but i think we're having a resurgence of this type of movie or at least ones that i think look good because this isn't a type of movie that just goes away they're always going to come out but i think we're starting to see better and better ones or maybe I just have a soft spot for movies like this. Plus one gets a seven out of 11. I'm looking at a time right now, ladies and gentlemen. I was hoping this was going to be a Thursday show, but I have to be honest with myself. It is not. Good news for the timing of this show, though. The good news is Anne will be returning next week. After the next episode drops, though, but she will be returning next week. So after episode 138, it should go back to being on time from there. Proving once again that I cannot actually function on my own. DoorDash is my friend. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to the next movie, which is called Hampstead. A widow finds unexpected love with a man living wild on Hampstead Heath when they take on the developers who want to develop the land and destroy his house. This stars Diane Keaton from Annie Hall and Brendan Gleeson from In Bruges. And we have another one of these romance movies with an older cast, and I'm liking this. Don't get me wrong, I don't get my jollies off watching old people screw. <laughs> That's not why I like this. I just like this because it shows how movies with a romantic tone to it don't just have to be about young people. And I think that's something we actually try to avoid in our storytelling, just because isn't that kind of depressing? Like how long it took, it takes these people to find that one person for them. Because in this movie, Diane Keaton's character, her ex-husband's dead, but he also cheated on her. So I'm not saying he deserved to die for that, but you know, no one's really missing him. Brendan Gleeson's character is just some hermit type person who, who, you know, those people who really just give off this vibe of don't talk to me. So Diane Keaton's character meets this man and helps with his cause, even though it seems like he don't, doesn't want anyone's help. And either she's going to melt his heart or what I think is more possible is that they're going to meet halfway. She's going to melt his heart a little, but he's really going to endear himself to her where she's just like, oh, that's just him. Now, the trailer didn't hint too much at the romance between them. It did hint that it that it was a part of it, but it's really the premise that I got off IMDb and the tags and the genre tags used that told me this. So I think this is just a regular drama first and foremost with a hint of romance in it. So if a romance movie generally isn't your thing, maybe still check this out because Diane Keaton, Brendan Gleeson, what's not to like, and it's not a full on romance, so no one will have to gag you with a spoon. Hampstead or Hampstead, Hampstead, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it, gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, next up, everyone, is a movie that looks super happy, and I totally want to see it, and it's called American Woman. A woman's daughter goes missing. That woman must look after her grandson and search for her daughter, even as others begin to give up. This stars Sienna Miller from Burnt, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad, Amy Madigan from Gone Baby Gone, Sky Ferreira from Baby Driver, and Will Sasso from The Three Stooges. And it's, it's fitting that Amy Madigan was in Gone Baby Gone because that movie really came to mind when I was watching this trailer. I think those two movies have a huge number of differences between them, but also I just get that same feeling of nothing's okay in the world when watching it. Anne and I watched Gone Baby Gone together, and not when it came out, you know, years later on Blu-ray, and we liked it. 
it wasn't bad, but we're not sure if we're ever going to watch it again, just because it's super, super depressing. Kind of like she had me read Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which I really liked, but guess what? I will probably never pick that book up again. She wants to know if I ever want to watch the movie. That's a big old no right there. Unless the movie ends differently and they all live to nice old ages, I am not interested in that depressing shit no matter how well acted or well made it may be. But this movie, at least we can go into it not knowing that's gonna be the most depressing thing ever. Who knows? Maybe this woman will find her daughter alive. They'll all be reunited and it will be great. Maybe there'll be nothing depressing about it, but also I could admit to myself right now that that is bullshit and that I think this is going to be a sad movie. But the question is what level? of sad because this looks really intense this looks really I, I was gonna say really dramatic and technically i would be right right wouldn't i it looks dramatic it does but when i say that or, or when i said it and then deleted it and then well just told you what i said so i don't know why i actually deleted it but saying that makes me feel like i'm in school trying to write a paper and i'm just trying to fill up fill up space and i don't really know what to say i'm like it was good it was dramatic this drama was dramatic I didn't actually talk like that in school, though I was a stupid kid. Always crushed it in English class, though, so that's my saving grace. Jesus, we're so off topic. Okay, let's get back on on topic. Um, Thriller mystery, American woman. It, it does look good. All signs point to this being a, at least a good movie. It has some reliable actors in it. And I think that if you like this type of movie, you will not be disappointed. I just don't think that there's anything special enough to write home about. Dear Mom. I saw a great movie today called American Woman. Mama, let me be. Well, I kind of lost that plot, didn't I? So let's just wrap this up. American Woman does look good. Just ask yourself if you're in the mood for this sort of movie. American Woman gets a 7 out of 11. So before we get into the next three films, I just want to say that all three of these films are very worthy of being the pick of the week. And you know how, I, how weird I am with things like this. Some weeks I'll do a dual pick, and I'd like to think I have a good reason for when I do those dual pick weeks. This week, it would have had to been a triple pick because I want to see all of these, and I just thought, nah, I will still do my pick. But then I will just tell you that these other two movies, the, the next two movies I'm going to talk about, look equally good, albeit in different ways, and are all worth your time. So if you go see this next movie instead of the pick of the week, if you see the second movie instead of the pick of the week, you're fine. There's good movies coming out this week. This may have been one of the longest limited sections in a while, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad for movies just because we have a lot of good stuff coming out, which is really, uh, and I, I said it before, let me say it again, really why I do get angry when people hear about all these remakes, reboots, and go, there are no interesting ideas left in Hollywood. Two of the movies in, in the next three are reboots, but the other one isn't. American Woman wasn't a reboot or a remake. Hampstead wasn't. Plus One wasn't. How many movies from the previous week, previous weeks, weren't reboots or remakes? How many movies in the limited section that I didn't think were interesting aren't reboots or remakes? A lot of them. And like I have said before, just because it's in the limited release section doesn't mean it's not going to be good. I just think that the trailer did a piss poor job and did nothing to get my interest. And so it is punished for that by being relegated to the limited section. So long story short, these next three movies I all think look good. They look entertaining and they look worth your time. So the first movie that looks worth your time but isn't the pick of the week is called Men in Black International. 
The men in black have always protected the Earth from the scum of the universe. In this brand new adventure, they tackle their biggest threat to date, a mole in the men in black organization. This stars Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson from Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Endgame, Rebecca Ferguson from Life, Emma Thompson from Saving Mr. Banks, Liam Neeson from Schindler's List, and it features the voice of comedian Kumal Nanjiani. And I'm really surprised this wasn't my pick of the week, because when the trailer started coming out, I was really impressed. When they originally announced they were doing a Men in Black, uh, another Men in Black movie, I was like, really? Do, do we need this? I don't think we need this. And then I, the more I found out about it, the more I got into it. Like, there, are, there are a few actors and actresses out there that I will always give a movie a chance, as long as they're in it, no matter how bad I think it may be. Chris Hemsworth is one of those people. Another one is Dwayne Johnson. To give the ladies some love, Emily Blunt is one of them. Zoe Saldana is another one. So when I found out they cast Chris Hemsworth and then paired him with Tessa Thompson, I was very intrigued. I love this on-screen pair, and I think Hemsworth and Thompson know that they have something going on because there's talks of them wanting to do other movies together, and I really like this. Because remember back in the day when we had pairs that we always saw in movies together? We had Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Let's go back in the day with Katherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. You can't talk about old-timey pairs and not have Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. So I hope we're going to see Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson as one of those new groups. Because they work really well together, and I like that their pairing isn't a romantic one. Though I would like to see a romance with them in it, because I think if they purposely never do a romance because Tessa Thompson is gay, would send the wrong message. Like I've said when Rocketman came out, like I said when Bohemian Rhapsody came out, that you shouldn't be limited or limit yourself based on who you are as a person. So let's get off that track and talk about Men in Black International. I think it looks really good. I think they are breathing new life into what would have been a put-to-rest franchise. Men in Black 3 happened. I'm like, cool. Okay, we're done. Now they show us this, and now I realize just how much potential this series has, and it really excites me. Because we're having a Men in Black movie with no, at least so far, no mention of Agents J and K. Will there be some sort of nod to them? Maybe there's even a cameo. Who knows? But this so far, what we know is on its own. And it just takes place in the same world. And I think that's a really, really good idea. And so that way, if they leave it at this, I think we'll have a good movie. But if they do more, we can see a couple Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, Men in Black movies, give it a break for a while, and then maybe bring it back with someone else and have it be equally fresh. But as for this movie, it looks really interesting. We have the Men in Black. We have Tessa Thompson joining them. Because apparently they uh, they did the mind wipe thing on her parents, but they missed her. So she remembers all this. She spent her life looking for them. And guess what? She finds them. That's a big deal. And she goes, hey, hire me. I found you. I'm obviously good. Hire me. And they go, well, okay. Let's stick you with the most handsome man in the world. Or the third most handsome man in the world. Because I'm assuming Matt Damon and Ewan McGregor still exist in these worlds. I, I, I'm just saying. But come on, you have seen these trailers. If you are still not interested, then this is an easy peasy choice. Nothing I could say will change that for you. Because I think these trailers did a wonderful job of selling themselves. And either you're interested or you're not. I am very interested. I really want to see this. I love me some Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. We're just throwing in extra candy on top of this with some Emma Thompson, Liam Neeson, and Rebecca Ferguson. Kumal Nanjiani, 
always funny. I just hope they don't overuse him so it becomes, so it just becomes old fast. It'd be just like if those little worm alien creature things, like, had played a bigger part in any of the original movies. That would have been annoying. But right now, all signs point to Men in Black International being a good movie, and I can't wait. Men in Black International gets a 9 out of 11. All right, folks, next up, and the next movie that is not the pick of the week, but also looks promising, is called Shaft. John Shaft Jr., a cybersecurity expert with a degree from MIT, enlists his family's help to uncover the truth behind his best friend's untimely death. This stars Jesse T. Usher from Independence Day Resurgence, Samuel L. Jackson from Shaft, Richard Roundtree from Shaft the TV Show, Regina Hall from Scary Movie, Alexandra Shipp from Love, Simon, Luna Lauren Velez from Dexter, and Method Man from How High. Just like with Men in Black International, when I first heard about this, I was like, really? Why are we, why are we redoing this? Do we, do we really need this? I, I don't think we do. But then the more I started to learn about it, the more excited I got. Not only are, so we're doing a new Shaft movie with a new, with a new person playing John Shaft, but we're going to have the other Shafts in this too. Samuel L. Jackson and Richard Roundtree. So this is a true reboot, not a remake. And you can use this as an example on why reboots and remakes are different. So the way I'm guessing this movie will work is a lot like what we saw in the trailer and in any makeover movies. We're going to have John Shaft Jr., who's not going to be, you know, a bad guy or anything. He's not going to be an ass, but he just doesn't have the game or the style that his dad and grandfather have. He's living his own life, doing his MIT thing, which is far from anything his father and grandfather would be caught dead doing. And he turns to them for help. And in that time, in the time this case is going on, I think he's going to learn about his father and grandfather style. He's going to pick something up. Will he go into the family business of being a private investigator? I don't know. Maybe, but what I hope will happen is that he will still learn this style, still learn these tricks, but go back to doing what he wanted to do, living his own life, but just having a lot more style. While I think this movie would be the most predictable of the three, of the last one and the next one included, I also think it would be the most badass of the two, because I think, from the look of the trailer, that this movie knows that it's going to be at least a little campy, trying to bring back this style at times of the original Shaft, so I think that they know this is going to happen, and they're going to embrace it. I think it, the trailer does a really good job of preparing you what to expect in this movie, so I don't think there should be any surprises. Do you want to see a flashback to the past with a modern twist on it? Then check this movie out. Shaft gets a 9 out of 11. And the final movie this week the pick of the week is The Dead Don't Die. The peaceful town of Centerville finds itself battling a zombie horde as the dead start to rise. This stars Bill Murray from Rushmore, Adam Driver from Star Wars The Force Awakens, Tilda Swinton from The Chronicles of Narnia, Tom Waits from Seven Psychopaths, Chloe Sevigny from Big Love, Steve Buscemi from Con Air, Esther Ballant from Stranger Than Paradise, Rosie Perez from White Men Can't Jump, Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, Caleb Landry Jones from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, musician Iggy Pop, Riza from Ghost Dog, Selena Gomez from Monte Carlo, and Carol Kane from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. This was written and directed by Jim Jarmusch, who brought us movies like Broken Flowers, Patterson, Stranger Than Paradise, and Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. So Jim Jarmusch is one of those directors. Um, you know when I make fun of an indie director because they put their name all over a movie, and they've done like one or two things, and they put their name all over like the next film. 
from Dick Headley. And we're like, we're supposed to know who you are and your name's supposed to matter? Well, Jim Jarmusch is one of those indie directors who highly deserves to have his name all over anything he does. And when he puts his name in the trailer, it's at least a little more tasteful than some of these assholes. Well, his name was one of the things that made this movie catch my eye. The other thing was the amazing cast. And the last thing was the way the trailer presented the movie. It, it presents this movie in a tongue-in-cheek, old-style zombie film way. Especially if you listen to the, the first trailer and listen to the narrator's voice. It's like a hardcore 80s, 80s horror movie narrator saying things like, In this town, the dead don't die. So I think this movie is going to be equal parts campy horror movie spoof and another part actual zombie movie. I don't think Jim Jarmusch is going to go for a 100% spoof on this one. I think he's going to spoof movies, but really focus on his own story that he's telling. And all the while going, oh yes, we know we're, we're making nods to, to the genre as a whole. So I think it kind of looks like a love letter to the genre that also looks like it's making fun of it at the same time. Knowing him and knowing his movies, there's going to be some sort of social commentary too, but the good thing is he's never heavy-handed with it. He lets it speak for himself or itself. He lets it do its thing and he doesn't hit you over the head with it, which could really scare away potential audience and, well, let's be honest, me too, because like I said, even if it's something I, something I agree with, if you're too heavy-handed with your message, I think the movie suffers and I don't think this is going to be one of those movies. Frankly, because it doesn't look like it's going to be at all. But knowing him, there's probably going to be a couple little commentary things in it. The Dead Don't Die is the movie I want to see the most this week. Though I will probably see Men in Black or Shaft. Probably Men in Black, just because I think Men in Black will be more accessible. It'll be, it'll be the wider of the releases, with Shaft being next and Dead Don't Die coming in last as far as wider releases goes. Because let's face it, it is an indie movie. And even if it's one that, that's really popular on the indie scene from one of those directors that's really popular, Still, it's not going to hit your Regal, your AMCs, your Cinelux, Cinemark, Cinemax, Cinemax, oh wait, Cinemax is a channel, but it's probably not going to hit all of those major ones. So if you want to see this movie, look for to your local indie theater. Otherwise, just watch one of the other movies. You can't lose if you watch one of the top three movies this week. The Dead Don't Die gets a 10 out of 11. Well, my future fans, normally it would be time for the question of the week, but I've dropped the ball so much on this, you know, not even posting it on Twitter or Instagram. I'm going to give it one more week. I will mention, though, that we did get an answer from Anthony R., who says, I'm not sure if this is what you meant, but the original Fast and Furious and Point Blank are the same. Cheesy one-liners and all. And you get where I was going with the question, but I want you to make your own movie. So let's reiterate the question. But Anthony R., thank you for being the only one to answer. And now I will clarify, and maybe that will help get, get some more answers. So the way I originally phrased the question was as follows. Take a movie and switch the genre. What movie and what genre? So what I'm asking is you take a take an already existing movie and just change the genres Something you would like to see, but not have it already be done yet. So this would be a brand new thing. Like you could say, hey, I would love to see a Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, but as a sci-fi movie. Ooh, better yet, as a fantasy movie. So you have this old great wizard who has to face off against this new up-and-coming bad guy wizard, or something like that. I hope you get where I'm going with this. And to give you another example, let me give one of my answers, because I had two answers for this. So let me give one of them now, and hopefully it will uh, make make y'all understand it a bit more. So one of my answers was going to be Gladiator 
but sci-fi because y'all know how much I love my sci-fi. So I, I would like to see some sort of sci-fi epic about the the rise of this empire. You know, not the empire because that's Disney now, but the rise of this vast empire and their main general in their in their big space battles, you know, gets uh, framed for the murder of the emperor and then he gets sent into this prison planet where he has to battle. I think that would be awesome, like truly awesome. And, and that's what I mean as far as these questions go or this question goes. So that is it for this week. I will be sure to actually post the reminder and then give my example sometime this week, sometime before the next episode drops, probably over the weekend. So until then, let me close this up with the housekeeping. I'll send you along your way. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. Please check in this Sunday where I will be posting my first new blog in a while because I want to get back into that. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your busy days to give this podcast a rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes if you still use that. I would love five stars pretty please. Also, share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow here. And how do you reach me? That is a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and a description of the levels, but please give whatever you think we have earned. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle Podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, great friend of the show, and the We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa podcast, uh, another podcast of a friend of mine, just released our sixth episode. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, My future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.